And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. It's been a busy few days here. It's the bye week, supposedly, right? Aren't we supposed to be chilling out a little bit? Not so much, but of course, when you cover the Washington football team, it rarely feels like a, a, a time off. We had the big news on Wednesday, Montez Sweat out four to six weeks with a uh, hairline fracture in his jaw. Uh, this comes after they placed Chase Ruye on IR. Eric Flowers uh, was was banged up in the in the um, loss to Denver. They they add Keith Ismail to the to the fifty three player roster. Um, that's just on the football side of things. We've got today. I'm talking to you guys Thursday morning. Uh, today is the deadline for Congress. Uh, the Congress told the NFL it wants all the paperwork and documentation or anything involving communication of the investigation looking into the Washington um, to the investigation into Washington's culture. Um, so there's a lot going on. Uh, and, and so we'll get to some of that here in just a moment, particularly the on the field stuff. But in addition, we've been talking big picture here on the podcast. If you missed it, I really encourage everybody to go check the podcast I did earlier this week. I'm calling it the Washington Football Team Summit Part 1. That was with Kevin Sheen from the Team 980 and Grant Paulson from 106.7 The Fan. You hear them all the time doing their own shows. You've never heard them together. They had never been together in a public in a public way like that. We had a, a, a really fun time breaking down the big issues. The, what do we think of the roster now halfway through the season? The quarterback situation, how do you resolve it? Ron Rivera, what do we make of him, his vision, um, as, as not just a coach, but also the main football voice? And then, of course, the ownership situation. You know, how do you, if you're a fan, how do you look – for for the silver lining for the for the for the sunshine when this gray gray cloud is just constantly hovering over everything. So it was a really good one. I encourage you to check out that. But this episode it's going to be part two of uh, the summit. Not not those exact same players, but similar. Grant Paulson is back with me. But in addition, Grant and I spoke with ESPN's Matthew Barry. Yes, the fantasy guy. Now we didn't really talk fantasy. There was some broad strokes in there about about Washington's uh, current situation, but it was basically an opportunity uh, to discuss and to vent. Matthew is a lifelong fan of the team, so we got his view from that perspective, what he's been seeing for up there from Bristol on the field, with some thoughts about the off-the-field stuff, um, another good uh, therapy session on some level, <laughs> I think, for, for, for folks, and hopefully it'll be another conversation that you guys enjoy. But we're not done there yet, because part of this whole summit is solving problems. So we wanted ahead. We wanted to start looking ahead to the offseason, specifically the NFL draft, and nobody nobody better to do that with than our own Dane Brugler, the, the Athletics Draft Insider. We only talked quarterbacks. Uh, we got into what he thinks of this class overall, some specifics. There's a big game this weekend, Liberty's Malik Willis against Old Miss's uh, Matt Corral. They're going head-to-head, so we discussed those guys and other prospects. We also did a little bit of a look back as to some t- perhaps missed opportunities for Washington to solve this quarterback situation and a lot more about the quarterbacks. Uh, Dane and I will also have something coming up next week on the website, uh, so ch- wait, Hank, wait around for that. Of course, uh, you can always subscribe to the athletic, make sure you don't miss anything there. I have a new predictions article up um, for the second half of the season. I think it's ten predictions. Um, you can check that out. Get into some interesting things, including um, contracts and, and extensions. Um, so keep an eye on that, uh, or or go check that out. I should say. So uh, make sure again, go listen to part one of my conversation, the Washington Football Team Summit with Kevin Sheehan and Grant Paulson. Today will be part two. With, with Matthew Barry, Grant Paulson, and then Dane Brugler and I talking NFL draft in the 2022 quarterbacks. Let's just go get into a few other quick things. Oh, before we get to um, 
the team stuff. Just a quick uh, shout out to uh, Chris Kiner, the program director at 106.7 The Fan. He kindly had me on Wednesday uh, doing a two and a half hour show with uh, my pal Brick Giroli, who covers uh, Major League Baseball here for The Athletic. We talked for two and a half hours last night, Wednesday night, uh, mostly about the football team for all the obvious reasons, uh, but it was a, it was a great fun. I've done a little bit of radio uh, before, but had not hosted a show locally, co-hosted a show. Uh, it, was a, it was a blast. Don't know if it's a one-off or we'll do it again, but I really enjoyed it, and I hope that uh, you know if anybody, you know, appreciate the people who are aware and, and send some kind things. So enjoyed it, and hopefully we can, um, you know, see, uh, see about doing that some more. Um Okay, so let's get to the football things. So Montez Sweat, uh, news broke. Uh, Grant Paulson had that first yesterday uh, regarding the specifics of Montez's um, injury. A a non-displaced fracture, a hairline fracture in his jaw. He's going to be out four to six weeks. No surgery, but like he's going to have to have an altered diet and things along those lines. Um, no physical contact. Um, I'll just say this, that on Monday, while I was still in Denver, I heard that Montez Sweat had some some sort of an issue here uh, with his jaw. wasn't clear at that point what it was, and well, you know that was basically kind of told us to hang in there and, and, and kind of wait and see with regards to uh, what happened. But you know, um, you know, it, it got out in other ways. Glad Grant got it. So, um, look, obviously, it goes without saying. This is a blow to the defense. I I've established already that it's time to focus on big picture only with this team. And that's true, but obviously games will be played, so we do need to address this, especially since Montez Sweat is such a a big-name player. This defensive line obviously is the supposed strength of this team. This is where Washington, um, you know, why the expectations were so high for this group this year, and particularly because of the Chase Young and Montez Sweat aspect on the edge. You know, those guys talked about, could they set the sack record uh, for for a duo this year, and while obviously that's not going to happen, and and you know such talk is a bit, you know, a bit a bit boastful and perhaps preposterous on some level, you know, it's not like it was like that these guys were you know it was inconceivable that they both could get double digit sacks or something, right? Um, a lot of upside, and it just hasn't obviously been there from a sack perspective. It also just hasn't been there from a consistently productive perspective that could very as very rarely this year if at all felt like the defense has taken control of of game for games a, a half or even like a series um there have been some strides made the last few weeks and Montez Sweat is often in the mix with regards to um to to when they have some bigger plays he's an athletic freak um he, he he's very good in the run in addition to being able to get after the quarterback um and it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a big loss for a defense that's already you know, has not uh, lived up to expectations this year. So who's going to play for him? Well, James Smith-Williams would be the obvious candidate. He's become the the third uh, edge rusher, defensive end um, for them, and he did get his first sack last week. Uh, so we'll, maybe that's a sign of things to come, but by and large, obviously, he's been, um, you know, a developing player. He's a seventh-round pick from last year. I don't, you know... It's, it's sort of my, my, my when we talk about Taylor Heineke, at some point you have to kind of remember what you're dealing with and stop, in my opinion, stop applying starter standards to a guy who is a backup. Now, in this case with Smith-Williams, we'll see. I don't know. He has not. This will be his first opportunity to get steady reps in this way, presumably. Their other alternative, I think, would be this, would be using Matt Ioannidis with the starters and maybe kicking John Allen out to the end a bit. Obviously, he's not a – or none of those guys are – or speed rushers, but they're very talented players. And if nothing else, maybe you're kind of like selling out to the run by having these four guys in there, uh, knowing you can then drop seven into coverage. Um, and also, it's not like Ioannidis and Allen don't get after the quarterback along with Chase Young. So, you know, that that would be another way to do it. Plus, you still have Tim Settle as part of that defensive tackle rotation. So all that's in play. Plus, Casey Tuhill, Shaka Tony are also, um, you know, presumably will get more snaps coming um you know, w- w- with with sweat out um Bunmi Rotimi was was called up um from the practice squad previously not this week but previously so he's somebody else who potentially could be um in the mix as well so needless to say again losing Montez Sweat is a big blow for this defense now th- uh, this is on top this comes just a, a, a day or so after they placed Chase Ruye on IR he's going to have He's going to be out for the season, I was told, season-ending surgery. 
for Chase Rouillet. Um, he has a fibula, um, a, 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 a fractured fibula. The, uh, there's some issues as well with um, the ligament damage in his ankles. Um, the, the recovery will take a few months. He should be ready, it sounds like, for the for next season. But he's out for this season. And a, a huge blow for this offense. Chase Rouillet doesn't get nearly the attention that he probably warrants um, based on just his performance. But, and you know, center is often the position that people kind of ignore. But, you know, he's the quarterback of that um of that um uh offensive line and so he uh you know it, it's just not going to be uh it, it's not going to be an easy fix for Washington already they've been out with that Sam Cosme and Brandon Scherf for the last um you know 3 weeks in the case of Cosme 4 for Scherf now coming off the bye week those guys might be back Ron Rivera told us before the Denver game that Scherf was very very close that was a quote so presumably he'll be available um, when we get to um, the, the 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 week uh, ten game against Tampa Bay. But um, I, we'll see about Sam Cosme. I'd originally had heard two to four weeks on him. Um, this would be you know if we're hitting four weeks this week, so possibly he's back. We haven't seen him even practice yet. We'll see about that. Cornelius Lucas was out last week with an illness, uh, non COVID related. So we'll see. Uh, where he is at, um, obviously they could use either one of those guys. Uh, Sadiq Charles looked overwhelmed uh, a bit at, at playing right tackle in his first meaningful snaps of the year. So, um, and then of course Eric Flowers also injured his ankle uh, late in that Denver game. I was told he should be okay that it wasn't a serious injury, but we don't have specifics on that one yet either. So, you know that's four starters who have been banged up, and the thing about it is. You know, the offensive line was definitely a question mark coming into the season. I, I was, I had questions for sure. But when you look at what's happened, they've been, you know, the, it's that line that's probably been the strength of this team through the first half of the year. Just to look at a couple of quick stats via ESPN, um, when you look at team uh, win rate with run blocking of all of the 32 teams, Washington ranks first. Pass blocking win rate, Washington ranks second. When you look at the individual players, highest win rate, um, Against the pass, Charles Leno is third among all offensive tackles. Eric Flower fifth among all guards. Highest win rate uh, on the run and with run blocking. Wes Schweitzer, who's been filling in for Brandon Scherf, he is first among all guards. Uh, Chase Rouye first among all centers. Eric Flowers, by the way, ninth among guards. So you know that's a lot working right there for Washington. And now, of course, they're going to lose Rouye. Tyler Larson will presumably step in. To be the starting center, Keith Ishmael, like I said, is now on is back on the active roster. Meaning he, you know, he was on the active roster last year. Uh, so um, that's where they're at right now. If, if for some reason Cosme were to miss more time, I wouldn't be surprised to see David Steinmetz put on the active roster. He's now been called up twice from the practice squad, so he can't be called up a third time unless he's clears waivers or signed to the to the 53. Um, so that's something that could potentially happen down the line as well for for additional depth um so yeah the injuries continue to pile up i guess we could also say though logan thomas is expected back um for practice when they return from uh, the bye week they, they the team released uh Ch- chase sternberger who had never really played um which is an indication that thomas is, is going to be pretty close now they still have three active tight ends um on the team ricky seals jones john bates samus reyes but um, you know they've kept, they've had four pretty much all year, so you would think that Logan Thomas, good chance he is back, and that would be huge for Taylor Heineke in this offense, particularly in when it comes to scoring points. They've had trouble um, inside the thirty the last couple of games in particular, um, and only scored twenty three points total. Went zero for six in the red zone in the last two weeks, which is just really crazy. But between block kicks and, and going for it on downs and turnovers, they have just uh, come up short over and over again. I talked about this a lot on this last podcast, and I think maybe a little bit here as well. You know, I think we're talking a lot about Washington's red zone struggles, and that's fine. But it's sort of an example to me of where we get too small-minded on these conversations. Taylor Heineke is a backup quarterback. He's proven to be an effective one. I'm not saying it's an impossibility he becomes a starter, but, you know, I think we're seeing the limitations between the arm strength, the accuracy, uh, his size, decision-making. Back. This is the thing with backup quarterbacks. Your hope is that this player, for the most part, can come in and give you a, a, a some 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 good work in relief. Maybe some some spot starts, 
But with more exposure, they become more exposed. And that's what's clearly happening here on top of the fact that they're missing a bunch of guys on offense. And that's why I'm not really getting that worked up anymore about their struggles in the red zone. How, what else would you imagine? You know, they have one player on the offense against Denver who was drafted in the first or second round who who was starting. And that was Eric Flowers, who obviously has had an up and down career, right? The defense um, this year has not so much in the Denver game, but just in general has seven players that were first uh, drafted in the first or second round, right? The defense has underachieved the offense to a large degree doing what they can do. If you had, by the way, you know, even on the offense in total, Curtis Samuel, second round pick, Sam Cosme, second round pick, obviously they've been hurt. Um, you know, McLaurin and Gibson, third round picks. Gibson clearly is not close to hundred percent. And you have to wonder at some point here, you know, does he get shut down for a little bit? Maybe the bye week will do him right. So my only point is that, you know, to focus so much on the Washington's red zone struggles is a very, very in the moment situation. And I understand people are living in the moment, but that is the bigger picture is where it's at with this team between the quarterback, the ownership, or even just broader strokes with the roster. Um, I don't get the point of like overly comparing Taylor Heineke to what you expect from starters when he isn't the starter. He is the backup. Just because they talk about next man up all the time doesn't mean we have to. Yes, we need to acknowledge it. If they're going to keep pressing it, any team, then you take them at, you, you listen to what they say and you use it, you know, not against them, but you say, okay, you're saying it's not a big deal. Well, then here are the issues with your team, but we don't have to play that game. And the reality is they're in a tough spot. So, um, We'll see what the bye week shows. Hopefully they get some of these pieces back. Logan Thomas, Brandon Sheriff alone would be helpful. But, um, you know, we, we will see where we're at with them after the break. Um, all right, speaking of breaks, I'm going to take one right now. Um, w- but then when I, right when we come back, it's going to be myself, Grant Paulson from 106.7 The Fan, and ESPN's Matthew Barry uh, talking about the Washington football team. And then uh, Dane Brugler, our NFL Draft Insider, breaking down the 2022 class. All that coming up here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right, so we're going to get to uh, talking about the football team. Like I said, try to focus on big picture. But look, there is a some context needs to be provided and there's some venting as well. So to hear to help me do both of those things. Uh, first off, uh, he is uh, he is back uh, for the umpteenth time. Grant Paulson from 106.7 The Fan. Grant, you can say hi. What's going on, everybody? Good to be back. Um, and then making his debut on the podcast. You, you know him for all his fantasy work on ESPN. He's also very importantly to me a big Howard Stern fan. Uh, he is the, the the great Matthew Barry. Uh, I don't I don't think I need to say anything more than that. Everybody already knows. Follow him on Twitter at Matthew Barry TMR. Matthew, uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm a you know for people that are unfamiliar um, that maybe just know me. Oh wait, the fantasy guy. I'm a longtime diehard since I was five years old. Washington football team fan. I lived in Charlottesville, Virginia up until the time I was 12, which is where the the fandom comes from. And as I was growing up, obviously, it was, of course, the Joe Gibbs era, the the Hogs, Rigo, all of it. And so, you know, massive, long time, bleed the burgundy and gold, unfortunately, will never get out of my blood. I've tried. It's in there. It's in there forever. So uh, that's why Ben has uh, graciously invited me onto the podcast. Well, no, I absolutely. I mean, I'm aware of that. I, you know, I've listened to to your to your uh, stuff for uh, various iterations over the years, and so I'm aware of that. And yeah, like I said, I 
I don't want to focus on the little tiny things that we all get sucked into week in and week out. It's important to get into the bigger stuff and also discuss like what is going on with everybody's thinking. Cause I know for me being in Denver, I'm not viewing this emotionally like a fan. I'm just doing it as somebody covering the team, but I basically threw my, threw in the towel this week and said, you know what? Enough dealing with the little stuff. Let's get into the big picture. And from the perspective of two guys who talk about this team to a degree and our fans like me, we all grew up. I just wanted to start with where are you at with this team right now? And Matthew, I'll start with you. I mean, obviously the record is speaks for itself. They've obviously massively underachieved, but it isn't just one year. It's however, however far you want to run the clock back. I mean, even technically before Dan Snyder on the team, things were a struggle, but certainly in the last 20 years, and then there's these other factors, the outside factors that weigh in as well. So where are you right now on this team? Maybe you're not as down as a lot of people are, but obviously it's been frustrating one way or the other. I'm incredibly disappointed. I'm, I'm disappointed because you know what happened? They gave me hope. And, and you know, that's a dangerous thing, hope. Because usually most years, even heading into the season as a fan of the football team, I'm like, yeah, this ain't our year. We're rebuilding. I'm rooting for losses. I'm rooting for a good draft pick. I'm rooting uh, that we can finally get a quarterback. Like I'm rooting for those things, right? Because I know this ain't our year. But I thought I drank the Kool-Aid a little bit this offseason. I thought, wow, this, you know, this is a top three defense. This is a top three, top five defense. Uh, that's, and then they go out and they sign William Jackson. I'm like, that's awesome, man. They sign William Jackson and then uh, hopefully, you know, first round, maybe we can, uh, maybe we get JOK. I know we need a linebacker. I really would love JOK. That was sort of. You know, if you listen to any of the stuff that I did, uh, uh, you know, pre-draft, people always ask my opinion because I'm, you know, very public about being a Washington fan. You know, I talked about that, thought we needed either an offensive lineman or um, uh, uh, an offensive lineman or a linebacker. I was hoping for JOK. You know, I didn't think Parsons would be there, uh, obviously. And, you know, or like an offensive lineman, you know, maybe Darashaw. Like I did a couple of mock drafts you know, on blogs and stuff like that, where I, where I was, where I picked Washington and I took Darashaw a couple of times. Sure. Uh, and anyway, you know, and then, okay. Kid from Kentucky. He's fast. I get it. We've got some speed. Okay. I understand what they're going for. They signed Curtis Samuel. We need another two wide receiver. He's versatile. I get it. I know what Scott Turner is going to go for the versatility of Antonio Gibson, the versatility of uh, uh, Curtis Samuel. That's exciting. That's going to create some mismatches. They signed Fitzy. I'm super excited about Fitzy. You know, I'm like, finally, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is a team that won the division. I get it. The division was brutal last year. They were seven and nine. But still, they won a division with very subpar quarterback play. Think about the quarterbacks Washington had last year. Alex Smith, who's now my colleague at ESPN. Um, you know, Dwayne Haskins, who was a healthy scratch for the Steelers last year. Like he's a, a last week. I'm sorry. He's a, he's a third string quarterback for this. And then Kyle Allen, who's third string for Washington, you know, Heineke didn't start in the regular season last year. So those were our starting quarterbacks. I'm like with a semi-competent offense, all we have to be is like middle of the pack with a middle of the pack offense. And this elite defense, we're going to win a lot of games. I had hope Ben and that hope's been dashed as it has been season after season after season after season and so i'm sort of uh i'm despondent um i'm at the what stage of death is acceptance what are the five stages of grief which one is acceptance is that the fifth stage i'm at uh, stage five i'm at acceptance this is what stage, it is i think stage three is serato i don't know what that means though but uh, <laughs> You know, but what, I mean, though, that's I where noticed, I am. I mean, just I the, mean, the, Matthew's on to something. We, we take calls all week on the radio, Matthew, mm -hmm. and it's there's almost like an anger, but the, you know, norm the apathy will come. But right now, people are really upset, and I don't know if it's be, they're upset at themselves for believing or they're upset at the team, but they gave the benefit of the doubt after what was in hindsight now, probably a fraudulent division title at seven and nine. And you can go back and look at some of those wins and how they got them. And you say, well, man, you played a lot of backup quarterbacks and you played on neutral sites and you played teams with, you know, short rest because they played a COVID game or, you know, a handful of days before you played them really wasn't that authentic, a seven win season in a terrible division. But the fact is 
I think a lot of people bought in as you're talking about. And then they get into the, the, the off season and they did some things that were really exciting. Curtis Samuel, who by the way, has played like 20 some snaps and Fitzpatrick who threw six passes and they re-upped with Brandon Sheriff for a year. I, I think people just this time it hurts so bad because it really looked like it was for real. And normally we talk ourselves into it and it's like, ah, oh, this is a bad team, but whatever. This looked like they were going to be really good. Don't you think? Yeah, but hey, Grant, let me just, I, I just want to address that because I have heard that like it was a fraudulent seven and nine. I'm a big subscriber to, you know, the old Bill Parcells saying, which is you are what your record is. You know what I mean? Like they won seven games in the NFL and that's not easy to do, right? I mean, and they, you know, they went to Pittsburgh and they beat Pittsburgh and you could say like short rest, whatever, but these are all professional football players. The defense played well last year. Give credit where credit is due. You can say, like, they beat up on some bad teams. I get it. And their schedule going into the season, most people that looked at strength of schedule, we had one of – Washington had one of the toughest schedules coming into the season, and that's proven correct, right? So we have a very tough schedule. We didn't have that tough a schedule last year. But, on it, listen, they won some big games. Like they won – they you know, legitimately the defense – You meet me in the middle a little bit, though. Like, so let's go through their, – their wins were against a Nick Mullins-led 49ers. They didn't even have Jimmy G right? Jalen Hurts was leading them in week 17 and the Eagles shut him down to go to Sudfeld because they were looking for yep. a draft pick. So oh, that's not a great look. I mean, you beat Nate right. Sudfeld. And, and, and we, we battled Nate Sudfeld with one, one legged Alex Smith. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> sure. But, but my point is, but you, I mean, almost every win, they were losing to the Bengals decidedly when Joe Burrow got hurt and then they feasted on Finley. Uh, they beat Ben DiNucci with the Cowboys who will never play in the league again. Their other win over the Cowboys was with Andy Dalton. They never played Dak. I mean, I understand the Bill Parcells thing, but this was a pretty extreme example of a kind of Mike. I'll give you a Mike Shanahan line from when I covered him. It's not who you play. It's when you play them. Like it, I've never seen a more fortuitous kind of road for a team than the Rivera luck from last year. I on mean, I, I, that to me, that was like a four win type team. Now your point is they won seven. I get it. But now you throw in a first place schedule. I think it just set them up for a, a big collapse. I, I really do. Well, listen, I think that I think that's somewhat true. Um, and I think that I, I personally think and I don't think this I, I, I mean, I don't know. You guys are there in the market. So maybe maybe here sitting in Bristol, Connecticut, I'm just not aware of it. What's being talked about locally. But I'll tell you what I think is a huge story that I don't at least my sense is not being reported enough which is the disaster that is Washington's medical staff. <laughs> yeah. It, you, in all seriousness, like they, they do not have the proper care for players with, with you know, two of their medic, you know, people have come and gone. They have a couple of guys on administrative, they have a couple of trainers on administrative leave. I believe, that's, and that's I think nice this is official, Ben. Administrative leave I is think, a nice I way think of saying this is DEA official investigation. Ben, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? That administrative leave is a nice way of phrasing they're under DEA investigation. Exactly. But whatever. <laughs> the, the fact is, is that right now, the Washington football team medical staff is, and I'm not making this up, is two people from the Minute Clinic down the road and one person who doesn't have a medical degree but has seen three seasons of Grey's Anatomy. I am telling you, that's pretty much, I think, what they're doing there. I Like... And it might be Doc McStuffins. Um, like, what do you know what I mean? So, like, we sit in all, I'm like, I'm making a joke, obviously, but the fact of the matter is, is that injuries have played a massive role once again. And I think part of that is we don't have a good medical staff to help. We don't have enough people and we don't have a good enough medical staff to get people back out on the field. And so players aren't getting the treatment they, they want. Um, you know, I think that I think some poor medical decisions have been made. I think Antonio Gibson should have been shut down the last three weeks instead of hobbling along. I mean, you know, they're down to one starter on the offensive line. I don't know what's going on with Curtis Samuel, but that's a weird one. Super Guys weird. like, you know, like injuries for the for the longest time. Washington, I remember, you know, under Jay Gruden, Washington led the NFL in injured reserve players for like three the last three years of Jay Gruden's career pretty sure i'm pretty sure i'm accurate on that i'm not making yeah, that up right. i know it was yeah. too, no you're what? right that was right yeah yeah so 
you know, and then and then seems like it stabilized a little bit, but now we're back to being a disaster. There are medical staffs around the NFL that are great, and there are some that are shaky, and we're we're at the bottom of the league in a lot of areas, and that's one of them for a variety of reasons. And I don't know that that's getting talked about enough. No, well, I mean, to that point, uh, you know, right right after Ryan Vermillion, the head trainer, we learned about this DEA investigation, and then the second trainer goes out. Right after that is when the emails from the NFL came out and that became the main distraction around here. Um, but you're right. I mean, we asked Rivera about this probably at some point every week. And he, the original, the, the initial move was to bring back Bubba Tyre out of retirement, a guy who was like, you know, in his eighties to help out. And then they he said they brought in a couple of interns who had been with the team during like training camp to come in and help. And look, I'm sure the guys they have, the people on the staff are competent to a degree, but you're right. Just at a basic level, you can't just keep losing people. And right at the point that all this happened is when the injuries occurred, the game in which Curtis Samuel apparently had a setback, Ron Rivera has acknowledged was the game. The first game that the head trainer was out uh, and they played him 25 snaps and they apparently that was too many. So there is something to that for sure, but it also just brings back to the point of sort of the overall competence of the team. Like we all get, we all get sucked into, how do they get a quarterback or, you know, who's playing at this position, but there is the overall, the, the, the things around the players are also a big component of this. And whether I think everything always starts at the top, right. With ownership and this owner determined that Ron Rivera would be in charge and Ron Rivera is in charge of all these things. He brought in the trainer and all that. And it, it, this is where, like, I think it gets, it's so interesting is how do you sort of get out of all this when, all these things build on, on, on each other with who's making the decisions. Why are the decisions being made? And that's the part where I don't know what the easy answer is. It's almost easy to say, go draft a quarterback. We can, they can do that this year and there will be that hope and people can get excited about whoever the quarterback is, but fixing all the other things is I think part of why this thing never seems to get out of its own way. Well, I think, I think it, it goes back to that. It goes back to the whole culture thing. Right. And it goes back to, I agree with that. And I think, I think, um, you know, I've been very public about this. I believe Bruce Allen, before you even get into the emails um, and all of that, just based on the on-field product, I believe Bruce Allen was the worst general manager in professional sports history for his 10-year tenure uh, with, with Washington. When you think about the wasted draft picks, the wasted um, – uh, free agency, the, the amount of resources he had available to him, uh, the amount of time that he had to do it and the decisions he made. Um, you know, I mean, he had like, I think over his 10 year career, he was the fifth losingest record in the NFL over that career, over that time period, that decade, you know, like, okay, well, there were four teams that were worse. Yeah. But not with the, not with the war chest that Washington has, like it's one of the richest teams in the NFL. It's one of the most valuable teams in the NFL. There are deep pockets uh, there. And so, you know, I, I, you guys cover the team a lot closer than I do, but I don't believe there was ever a time where there was a, a free agent that Bruce Allen wanted that Snyder said, no, we can't afford it. But, you know, I, I've never yeah. heard price being a reason why we didn't get a player. I mean, I always think Grant was covering the team more directly at that point than I was. My, my sense always was that Bruce Allen was one of the enablers. So it's not even so much whether yes. he wanted somebody. He had a sense of what the owner would want, and therefore they would sort of go down these uh, different paths. I always sense that the owner never was a fan of Kirk Cousins because he wanted RG3 to work, and Cousins was the other guy that came in. That led in some way to the new contract. Landon Collins, who was part That's of the actually, Can I tell you something? That's actually not true. Okay. Um. I mean, I, maybe it is. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm. This is all hearsay, but from what I understand, and I have I have reasonably good sources on this. Cousins' issue was never with Snyder. He actually had a good. He actually had a good relationship with Snyder. Um, it was Bruce Allen. It was Bruce yeah, Allen. That's that, very true. Sure. sure. I just meant that he, I think Snyder didn't. I don't know if Snyder warmed up the Cousins, and thus it flowed that way. But either way, yes. I mean, I will tell you, like, so this is this is super random. I've never talked about this, but I think it's fine to do now, given everything. But I remember when one of the years, I'd have to figure out which year this was, but it was one of the years that Kirk was a free agent that was like, um, and I think, you know, like whether they were going to sign him to a long-term deal or he was just going to stick with a franchise tag. 
It might have been his last year, um, whether he was going to do or not. But I was at a Super Bowl party, uh, a direct TV Super Bowl party. And uh, and I saw and Washington had a a suite at this direct TV Super Bowl party. And I was on the level with this suite because the suite that I was in or whatever was on the same level. So I'm walking by and I'm like, oh, that's Dan Snyder. Okay. And I look over and I see him gesturing to somebody and that, per, you know, and they, they shake hands and the person sits down next to Snyder and it's Kirk Cousins. And they sat there for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. I mean, I left after a while. I'm just watching because I'm like fascinated. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to think like, do I report this? Do I like, what do I do? You know, like, I mean, that's sure. a, that's a big deal. Like I'm literally sitting here. It's at this public party. Um, but it's on a fairly, it's a reasonably private level, if you will. And I'm literally seeing Snyder and Cousins talking, sitting next to each other. And, you know, if I can, if for whatever the worth, whatever it's worth in terms of body, both seem to be enjoying the conversation. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, um, argumentative or anything like, you know, they were, you know, it was, both guys were smiling. So um, I saw that and I was just like, oh. And, uh, and I remember mentioning that to somebody that I know in Cousins Camp. I'll just say that. And the, the response I got was like, Kirk likes Snyder. Kirk has no problem with Snyder. It's Bruce Allen. That's the issue. Well, certainly, yeah. No, that's a, it's, a good, it's a good story. Good to be a fly on the wall for that. I would have had the same thoughts that you did. I probably would have blurted it out being who I am. But, um, but then I just like, I'm not like, you know, listen, I'm the fantasy guy. I'm not a reporter. Yeah, I get I'm not it. a newsbreaker. I just, you know what? I'm just like, and I also, by the way, there was also, a, there was a fan part of me that's like, I want this to work out. And I don't want to put any pressure on that because I wanted Cousins to stay. Yeah, I'm a, is Cousins a perfect quarterback? No, but I think you can win with Kirk Cousins. I think, you know what I mean? Like the idea that like, well, we need to, you know, we need to, uh, you know, Josh Allen, like, you know, there's the, the Patrick Mahomes is the world. Don't they're hard to find. They're yeah. hard to find. Right. For every Josh Allen, there's a Josh Rosen out there. Like it's right. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I wanted the, the team to sign cousins. I wanted the team to bring back cousins. I also knew that if the team brought back cousins, it would mean Snyder chose cousins over Bruce Allen. So it's kind of a double rooting there. <laughs> I hear that. Well, you, 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 you're not, you're not going to find a better uh, support uh, here than, than Grant, who definitely is a uh, on the Kirk Cousins train. But we don't need to go back in the past. So let's focus on this yep. in the last couple seconds I have with you here. So, okay, they're, they're, they're still going to play nine games this year. And I'm going to guess at this point, we may not see Ryan Fitzpatrick again. He's only getting – he's going to have an MRI next week. Uh, Rivera said today on Grant Station 106.7 The Fan that – uh, Fitzpatrick is throwing only though in the weight room, which is basically is the equivalent of saying, <laughs> I have no idea when he's coming back. That's not what even a real thing. Mean, so, by the way, did you know that? what that meant? He said he's throwing in the weight room. I don't know what that is. He's talking about throwing weights around. Like, what is he talking about? I just took it meant that whatever Ryan Fitzpatrick is doing, he's not close to being out on the field yet. And so therefore okay. it probably won't be. So when we, we may be getting Taylor Heineke the rest of the way, maybe Kyle shows up. Obviously neither one of these guys is the answer. So Matthew, since you're, because the fantasy guy and the offense is kind of where you're, 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 you you focus. What's the, what's the hope for the rest of this year in offense realistically, if we're going to say, and I don't know what you think, but that Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen, whatever they are, fine guys, they're backup quarterbacks. That's kind of it. What's the hope for the rest of this way, uh, you know, that to, to go into next year thinking, okay, there's enough here to be, to maybe get you that hope again. So, there's a bunch of things. So I'll just talk about the organization as a whole. Um, I'll start with the offense and then I'll move on to the organization as a whole. My belief what the goal should be for the team the rest of the way is first off, I think, I think Heineke should be the start of the rest of the way. I'm not convinced he's not the guy. I don't know that we have given, I don't know. Listen, I'm not convinced that he is. I'm definitely not convinced he is the guy, but I'm not convinced that he's not. He's made enough plays that make me think, you know what? with a little bit more seasoning, with a better offensive line, with more weapons than just Terry McLaurin. Remember, he hasn't had Logan Thomas for a few weeks. Like we, they went into camp thinking Curtis Samuel was going to be a part of this offense. He hasn't been. Antonio Gibson's been a, a shell of what he was last year. 
J.D. McKissick's a nice player, but come on, he should not be the focal point of any offense. And he's had to be for right. Washington. Right, so, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to know. I think you. I, I think we have too small a sample size to basically close the book on Taylor Heineke, personally. Um, so, again, like he's a, you know he's not a guy that you know where there's a lot of where we have a lot of tape on this guy, right? I mean, he bounced around and he was a backup and he was you know, you know. Um, so I actually want more. Give Heineke more of a chance, right? Um, I think you give the rest of the season, I think on, on the defensive side, see if they can figure it out. But I said this on my podcast, I said that based on preseason expectations, based on the investment, both from draft capital and free agent spending, there's no defense more disappointing in the NFL than Washington's this year. When you think about the amount of money they spent on William Jackson and Landon Collins, and some of the other guys in the secondary, you think about all the first round picks, the five first round picks up front. This team is Washington as a team, as a franchise has invested heavily in its defense and it's pathetic. It's awful what they've done, how, how, how poorly they've played for the majority of this year. Um, and I don't understand how Del Rio is not responsible for that. Um, and so I think that, so for the rest of the year, you're hoping that the defense figures it out or that Ron Rivera eventually says, you know what? Sorry, Jack. I know we're buddies. I know we're boys from way back when, but it's just at some point you're not getting nearly enough out of the talent we have uh, on the team. Uh, I'm a big Scott Turner fan. I think he's done a lot with not much to work with on offense because of, because of the injuries to the offensive line, Gibson, Etc. So, uh, on a personal level, I would like Scott Turner to return. Um, and I think that uh, I'm hopeful that Ron Rivera and Jason Wright take the rest of this year to sort of look in the mirror and gut check time. I've met Ron Rivera a few times. I wouldn't say I know him well, but the few times I have met him, and by all accounts, from everyone I've ever talked to, people that have been in the league for years and years and years, former players, former coaches, um, every person to a person says Ron Rivera is as good a man as there is. I don't think anyone questions the character of Ron Rivera. I think this is my own, you know, um, sort of uh, 30,000 foot view. I believe Ron Rivera is just like, there's a little bit of like, okay, I knew this was going to be uphill climb, but I didn't realize I was going to have to deal with all of this. Absolutely. You know, that I think he's just like, oh my God, wait, there's emails and there's a DEA <laughs> investigation. Wait, what? I just thought we had a couple of underperforming players and, you know, an owner that the media didn't like. Time Washington fan said to me, he said, you know what we've become? And I said, what's that? He said, we're blockbuster. We're AOL. That's what they, it's been turned into when you think about something, you know, and he was just saying not even the wit, you know, but like, like when you think about those companies, they were at the top of the world, like no one could touch them. And now like, you know, they, they're, they're AOL's a shell of its former self and Blockbuster didn't even really exist anymore. But you, no, but you look, I, and I appreciate the, 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 the passion which you said all that. And it's to the point of what I'm saying, all the thing, all, all these things cloud the whole situation and it, it, it puts, it's not even that it puts a ceiling on ex on, on what's possible here. It, the ceiling is like at sea level. Like it, it feels like you can't get out from under this because this, the Snyder thing is always lurking on top of the fact that in this sport, if you don't have a quarterback, you know, if you had a quarterback pick, whichever, whichever one you want to be on your guy, maybe you could say, okay, I can ignore that because at least there's the, the hope of winning in a big way exists to have both of these things happening makes for the frustration that I think a lot of people feel. And obviously you just expressed um, as well, which I, like I said, I really do appreciate. Uh, want to hold, hold, hold you up, but I really appreciate time. I would even, I would, I would make a joke about asking you some fantasy question about this team, but what's the ask? Uh, <laughs> they they, they got to get healthy. They need some, they need some people to come back and then we'll, uh, we'll, listen, we'll see what happens. Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin is still an elite wide receiver, both NFL wise and fantasy wise. JD McKissick is a nice uh, running back in PPR formats. 
I'm still a believer in Antonio Gibson's talent. He just needs to get healthy. I'm excited for whenever we get Logan Thomas back. Logan Thomas is a top seven fantasy tight end. Ricky Seals Jones has played well in his absence, given all the givens. Like there's um there's definitely some some you know fantasy uh uh you know there's definitely some fantasy value to be had don't pick in the up Washington Chris Blue football team. What? But don't pick up Chris Blue unless your league gets points yeah, for block. That kicks. poor kid. That poor kid, like he's just, I mean, like, you know, that's, that's an interesting situation, right? Because that's another one where it's just sort of like, you're wondering about some of the personnel moves that have been made by the team. Like is Hopkins perfect? He ain't, he's missed some clutch kicks over the years, but like, and I say this with respect, like he's a professional kicker. Like he's going to make eight out of 10 and you'd love a guy. You'd love Justin Tucker. You'd love 10 out of 10, but I mean, Blue, it doesn't like you're like, you know, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm like with it's, you. It's, significant, it's a significant downgrade. It, 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 the that's a whole other conversation, but the mindset behind that move is one of these things that I think is important to look at. Like, what leads you to do that? Because it, it impact it, it, it helps shape how they view other choices that they're making. Why did you do it? And and that is one of the things that's fascinating. Um, Matthew, again, I really appreciate the time. You were great. I'm glad we could help. I don't know if this is therapy for you, but I'm glad we could help uh, get 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 some of that off your chest. Look, I, yeah, no, I do. I appreciate it. It's frustrating, right? I mean, because I, you guys cover the team because it's your job. I follow the team because I love them. Because I love the team. I've loved them since I was five years old. I'll love them till the day I die. It is what it is. And so, you know, I hope for the best. Well, that, that you know, that makes all of us. I I I've told people before. You know, I've I've checked out emotionally as a fan a long time ago, but I know people who still give a crap. And if I have to be here and, and, and watch this thing, I'd like the product to be better and stop having it. So we can talk about things like what do they do at quarterback and not all the other, other components uh, at Matthew Barry TMR on Twitter. Of course, you, you, you already pay attention to everything he's saying on ESPN and you will again this week, Washington to be on a bye week He is not, they got fantasy football to discuss. Uh, Matthew, I really appreciate the time. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Grant. Talk to you guys soon. Talk to you, Matthew. All right. So look, if we're going to do this Washington football team summit, you got to talk about the quarterback situation. How does Washington get off this unwanted merry-go-round? They've been on forever in a day. They can't seem to solve this problem. One way to do it is the draft. It doesn't always mean it's it's the, it's going to be the answer, but you can at least attempt to uh, target some solutions and here to help us figure out what to make of this upcoming draft class is the athletics draft insider dane brugler and dane first off man i really appreciate it. i know you are hardcore uh checking out the tape at per usual so i appreciate the time yeah of course anytime ben it's uh <laughs> it's an interesting quarterback class uh you know kind of uh preface it saying that it's not you know last year at this time we knew trevor lawrence is gonna be the number one pick you know we knew justin fields trey lance these guys were gonna be top half of round one guys zach wilson emerged uh, at this point last year, Mac Jones is in the midst of a, of a record-setting season. Uh, this year, it's it's much different, uh, much more convoluted. And, you know, it's not without talent at the quarterback position, but it's just a very different draft class uh, when you talk about the position. That's one thing I think that people always get confused by when you say it's not a good it, – it, it's a good or it's not a good class. I think always it's not it's not necessarily that it means – the lack of talent it's the it's the idea of proven talent do you determine that trevor lawrence exists therefore okay i feel pretty good saying this guy is something we should absolutely keep an eye on and there's other multiple guys like that whereas in this class it feels like from the outside like ugh, <laughs> like like there's some guys that are interesting the the, the, the the couple guys who are at the top i guess like sam howe from north carolina and spencer rattler from oklahoma have fallen off rattler doesn't even start for his own team anymore and then there's other guys who most people have never even heard of that have kind of emerged, but I guess we're waiting to see if they make a Zach Wilson type rise or if they're just sort of interesting. Is that kind of like, is there anybody in this class right now, like from a top five perspective that you think, Oh, you know what? I, I do kind of, I think this guy's going to get there by the end or is even that right now kind of hard to, to gauge. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely possible. Um, you know, I, this, this, this class definitely has talent at the quarterback position, but it's just, there's a little more, there's more unproven 
uh, elements to these guys than maybe we've seen before, um, you know, with, with Trevor Lawrence and those guys that we mentioned last year, the year before with, uh, you know, uh, Joe Burrow and Tua, Justin Herbert. I mean, we, we poked holes in Justin Herbert, but at the end of the day, we at least had a good sense of, okay, this guy is a proven starter at the college level. He's, he's done it for a lot of years. He's got a big arm, got the physical traits. Uh, you know, there might've been some questions about, okay, is he worthy of the number one overall pick? But I think at least we had a baseline of, okay, this guy's going to be a quality starter. And I, I think he's uh, even exceeded that at this point. But, um, you know, with this class, it's more of, you know, a little more boomer bust, a little more, uh, you know, there's reasons to like this guy, but also reasons to kind of poke holes in him. Um, and at the top, uh, there's no clear cut number one quarterback at this point. You know, some uh, uh, talking to people around the league, some some really believe in Malik Willis out of Liberty. Some really believe in Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. Um, now enough to take him top five. That That's that's a different conversation. That That's where it gets a little little murky um and you have to really believe that okay this guy is going to be a franchise changer for us to invest a top five pick in in a in a quarterback like that so um you know it's going to be a really interesting next six months as we go through the process the all-star games the combine uh you know the workouts the interviews things like that uh but you know it's uh it's a really interesting mix of talent but again guys that you know there there's something about them that you can absolutely see a course where maybe they fail at the NFL level. Yeah. You know, I did a story a couple of weeks ago about Washington's has Washington find a quarterback. You talked about, you know, the Aaron, the Aaron Rodgers hypothetical or any veteran or the draft. And when in the draft, like one point that was made by, by a few different people is if you plan on the draft being where you get a quarterback. Now it's one thing if you're picking first or second and there's that, that obvious Joe Burrow type guy, but if you're, planning on the draft being how you're going to get your quarterback and you have a year kind of like we're looking at now where like I don't know that can lead to like overdrafting and I do wonder about that with Washington to a degree because as it stands right now I don't know that any of the quarterbacks that currently have are going to be projected as their starter that there's no obvious free agents out there that are like wow you've got to get that player you never know how the trade market unfolds and if Washington right now with a with a projected top 10 pick obviously there's half the season to go but if that were to be the case i don't i don't know it kind of feels like if they don't do something before the draft kind of feels like they may have to and then that feels like that could get them into into some uh into some trouble um but it it feels like they're going to be one of those teams that has to get a to get a quarterback as you're like kind of looking ahead how many teams do you think at sort of the tippy top you think would be kind of eyeing quarterback um pretty aggressively uh, quite a few. Um, and, you know, as is the case with most teams that are picking top five, top 10, uh, most of them, you know, are un- unsettled at quarterback. You, right now, Detroit's the the only winless team. And, you know, Jared Goff, uh, he's a stopgap option there. Uh, now, I think Detroit feels like they're still, you know, maybe a couple years away. So it, I think they'd be fine taking a, a cave on Thibodeau out of Oregon, you know, bolstering the pass rush and taking the best player and not reaching on a quarterback, uh, you know, Houston, uh, they're the same situation. Deshaun Watson, probably never going to see him in a Texans uniform again. Um, you know, where Deshaun Watson ends up, that'll be another fascinating conversation. But Houston, in the meantime, will have to figure out the quarterback situation. And then I think the most interesting uh, team, when you talk about the top 10, is going to be the Eagles. Right now, they have three picks slotted in the top nine, uh, which is uh, just you know, unbelievable draft capital to have, especially when Jalen Hurts has been, he's been okay, uh, but he's not helping you win football games consistently. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that they view Jalen Hurts as the the clear cut answer. And I, I think when it comes to this quarterback class uh, teams, you know, we talk about overdrafting quarterbacks and, you know, we, we saw Daniel Jones go in the top 10 and uh, you know, we've seen other quarterbacks go maybe a little bit higher than we thought they would. Uh, it all comes down to, do you think this guy can help you win the division that, that, that and, you know, lead you to the playoffs? That, that's what it is for me. Um, you know, forget, is he uh, a franchise changer? Is he a guy that's going to be a top five quarterback in the league? And if, I mean, if you're waiting for a guy that's going to be your Andrew Luck, your top five uh, quarterback in the league, you're going to be waiting for a long time. The chances of landing one of those guys is just very remote. And so 
when you look at these quarterback prospects, do you see a guy that can help lead, help you win games, help you win in the division, and help lead you to the playoffs? Basically, are you going to have one of the top 12, 14 quarterbacks in the NFL? Because if you do, then you're going to have a chance. Uh, you know, If you make it to the postseason, you're going to have a decent chance. And so uh, I think that's how the Washington needs to look at these this quarterback class and not worry about overdrafting or underdrafting, anything like that. Just more focus on, is this quarterback going to be a clear upgrade? Is he, is he going to be a guy that can help lead us to the playoffs? So one, one question for Washington will be, and it really, I guess, for a lot of teams is, you know, how quickly are you drafting a quarterback to not just be at a long-term answer, but maybe to start fairly quickly. And Washington could be in that position. Cause I don't, Ryan Fitzpatrick's on a one-year deal. They'd have to go out and sign another veteran, presumably, unless they stayed with Taylor Heineke, but I don't know. You want to do that. If you're trying to, you know, trying to do anything, you know, next year uh, coming off what maybe a, it looks like a, a down year, but a rookie quarterback is often, you know, that's a struggle as well of the guys who, you think could be first round picks not saying necessarily the best who's the one you think might be the most ready if your team is 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 leaning more into we need somebody to help us kind of quickly and for upside is there one guy from this group that you kind of think stands out as being maybe the most ready for next year again i understand it's months away but at this point i think you probably have to say kenny pickett um uh, at a pit you know he's he's a guy that doesn't necessarily have the physical tools that wow you. I mean, kind of like Joe, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, where the arm is average, um, you know, the he, he's mobile, but he's not necessarily electric with the way he moves and the way he can, you know, move the pocket. But he's a very smart guy. He can process quickly. Uh, you know, he's got the, the pocket presence. He understands where the heat is coming from. He can go through his reads. He can, uh, you know, diagnose defenses so he knows – uh, you know, pre-snap and post-snap, what is going on? Uh, and then he he's very timely with his throws. Uh, you know, puts it on his guys and keeps keeps his team in position to win football games. Uh, you know, I think he took a big step uh, from last year to this year. And uh, to to learn more about Kenny Pickett, I did a piece a couple of weeks ago with his offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, where we uh, basically went through four or five clips uh, from the All Twenty Two. And just kind of went back and forth about, okay, this is what Kenny's seeing. This is what he's doing. This is, you know, this is a drop eight situation. This is a blitz situation. Uh, it's really, really uh, great to get, uh, you know, Coach Whipple's uh, perspective on that. And, and I think it really spoke to uh, the growth that Kenny Pickett has, has shown uh, from this, from last year to this year. He, he's really taken a big step in his development. And I think it speaks really towards the quarterback position itself and how tough it is. It just takes time. And so Kenny Pickett, he's a fifth-year senior, uh, would have been drafted last year, but he took advantage of that extra year of eligibility, came back to school, and he made himself a lot of money by doing so. Now, he's not a quarterback that I think is a top-10 pick. I think there's a chance he could sneak into the first round. So, uh, you know, there, there's, you know, it's kind of like a, maybe a Mac Jones situation where, you know, the, the physical traits don't necessarily jump off the page or jump off the film. Uh, but he has a lot going for him when it, when it comes down to, uh, you know, the two most important things about playing the position, can you make the right decision and can you throw an accurate football? And I think he can do both of those things. And that's why Kenny Pickett, uh, if he needed to suit up in an NFL game tomorrow, I think he could. All right. So obviously a lot of fans are into college football, but some teams, some people aren't They Maybe they turn it on on the weekends just to something that's on or, or just to watch sports, but they don't necessarily follow a team for some reason. Um, if they wanted to follow a team based on the quarterback, based on I want to watch a guy, I'm going all in, I'm watching one guy that Washington might be able to get, you know, again, we don't know where they're going to pick or how things will unfold. But if there's one guy, there's, you know, you, we mentioned Sam Howe, we just mentioned uh, Pickett, we mentioned Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Carson Strong, I, could be others as well. Any one guy, if, if you're saying, okay, you want to go all in for Washington, watch this guy. Because I think he's whatever, for whatever reason, why you think he's interesting. Who's one guy that you would tell people go watch if you want to get excited about a quarterback? Well, you know, definitely watch Sam Howell at North Carolina and Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. But, you know, if you're going to this Saturday, if you're going to sit down and watch one college football game, make sure it's Liberty at Ole Miss because this game has two quarterbacks. Uh, could be the first two quarterbacks off the board talking about Malik Willis for Liberty uh, and, and Matt Corral from Ole Miss. Uh, you know, both guys, they bring a dual threat uh, skill set uh, that what they do with their legs are a big part of, of their game. They both have big time arms. Uh, they, they're both uh, exceptionally quick with how they play. 
Um, you know, Matt Corral, he's that point guard, that shortstop mentality where everything it does is quick from his feet to his mind, to his delivery. Uh, you know, he, he's got the arm where, you know, he's going to put it on the upfield shoulder and give it his guys a chance to create after the catch. Uh, Malik Willis is uh, just so electric with the ball. He's, he, he's a pass first quarterback, but he's also 220 pounds at, at six foot even. Uh, he, he's almost got a running back build. And so he'll break tackles. He's fifth in the in all of college football on broken tackles this year. He's averaging uh, over five yards after contact this year. But he's a pass first quarterback and he's got a, a big time arm where he can ha- he has the zip to make the opposite hash throws. Um, you know, he can, he has the downfield touch where he can throw it over coverage into uh, the hands of his receivers. Uh, and, and, you know, Liberty, uh, you know, Ole Miss doesn't have a defense that's going to, you know, really scare you. I think they're ranked like 107th in the nation or something, but Ole Miss is still probably the fastest defense that Liberty's going to see this season. And going on the road in the SEC is never easy. And so this will be a must watch game for scouts, for anybody that wants to learn more about Malik Willis to see how he does in that type of environment. He's an Auburn transfer. So he used to be in the SEC uh, going back uh, to his old stomping grounds uh, to, to face, uh, you know, an Ole Miss defense that again, not great uh, in terms of, uh, you know, overall talent, but they still play fast. And that's something that, uh, you know, will really give Malik Willis a, a great challenge. And then also just knowing that Matt Corral's on the other side, knowing that scouts will be in attendance that, you know, when, uh, you know, any team is considering drafting a quarterback, they're going to put on this tape. And so just that added pressure is, is going to be something that adds a, another wrinkle to this game. And so if you're going to watch a college football game this Saturday, uh, make sure it's this one to watch these two quarterbacks. Um, and l- lastly, like my point for all of this conversation about this team for Washington is looking forward because everything backwards is a disaster, right? <laughs> From the ownership box on down. And I wouldn't say that the, the, look, the Ron Rivera thing is still in the early stages. They did win a division last year by finishing strong, but they ultimately haven't figured out their quarterback situation. In 2019, they did have the second pick in the draft. They took Chase Young. They, they, they already had Dwayne Haskins. So it was kind of like, well, Maybe you could take Tua Tonga Viola, or maybe you could take Justin Herbert, but you had a quarterback. I was out on Haskins, but I understood why other people may not be. Then last year, they had the 19th pick. They could have traded up the way the Bears did, who had the 20th pick, to take Justin Fields or maybe Mac Jones. They didn't do that, um, hoping they could get through this year with Fitzpatrick and figure it out. He got hurt, and now they're kind of in the same boat. Hindsight's always 20-20, so I'm not really asking you to say – it's easy now to say they should have taken Justin Herbert or traded mm-hmm. up the field or something. But like in the moment, like do you, when teams have an opportunity to take a quarterback and they don't have one, forget any other aspects. Should they like, I mean, like, did they blow it by just simply not addressing it? Or do we just, you know, you know what I mean? Like forget, you know what I'm saying? Like they had twice now had a chance to get a quarterback and they didn't. And now we're here talking about a draft class. that's cra- crazy uncertain. Should teams just simply, no matter what, always address quarterback regardless of anything else, when there's any doubt, when there's any doubt. A hundred percent. And I mean, you look at the last three years and Washington has, I and mean, there's no way around it. I mean, they, they've totally botched the, the quarterback position. Um, you know, it's from drafting Dwayne Haskins and, you know, Haskins obviously has not worked out, but the bigger issue there was, uh, you know, the coach at the time didn't want him. I, I mean, they, they were not, not everybody in the building was on board with that pick. And that's, you can't run an, an NFL operation that way where uh, the coaches that are going to be developing uh, the quarterback is not fully on board. So, uh, you know, that, that's strike one. And then you compound the mistake in year two by, uh, now, you know, it's hard to say because Chase Young was, you know, the clear cut number one guy. He transforms your defense. He, he's going to be a pro bowler for a long time. And so that's where it gets a little I mean, I, there's a debate there because, uh, I, you know, I don't think that anybody looked at Tua with his injury status and Justin Herbert as, you know, being that no doubt about a guy. Now, in hindsight, yeah, they should have taken Justin Herbert number two, I think. But I don't think any any Washington fans are upset with Chase Young being on their team. And, you know, you look at, uh, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, for example, they drafted Josh Rosen and, you know, they quickly realized their mistake. One year later, they're drafting a quarterback, uh, number one overall in Kyler Murray. And, you know, the, the Cardinals have one of the best records in the NFL right now because they did not, uh, you know, stick to their past mistakes. They moved on quickly and saw a chance to get better. So Washington this offseason, they need to come up with a plan. They cannot kick the can again. 
what are they going to do to get better at the quarterback position? Uh, you know, they, they have to have a plan in place. Uh, if they don't love any of these quarterback prospects, then what's what's plan B? I mean, you have to go do something because, you know, I, I'm sure the, the Washington fan base, the frustration about the botched quarterback decisions in the last three years um, has to be just tiresome and annoying. Uh, and it's something that uh, they, they as an organization, uh, the coaching staff to the front office the ownership, they have to have a clear picture of this offseason. What's the plan to get better at the most important position in all sports? Maybe that is the draft. Uh, but regardless, they have to have a plan in place. The um, D- Dane is a go-to guy when it's draft season. And if you're a fan of the Washington football team, guess what? It's draft season. <laughs> so, so start, start reading Dane. If you have, if you, if you've taken a break from the draft stuff, it's a great time again. And he's going to have some good stuff up this week. And he and I'll be talking about some Washington football things as well over on the site, but you can go follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler. Uh, Dane, I definitely appreciate it. We will be in touch. I, I know for 100% fact, I'm all in on quarterbacks this year, unless something crazy happens in the, it, with vets, it's going to be all about quarterbacks. I appreciate it, man. Anytime. Thanks, Ben. All right. Um, Another fun one. I really appreciate it. Many thanks to Matthew Barry from ESPN, Dane Brugler from The Athletic, Grant Paulson, Yeoman's work. Grant was on with me for a good uh, several hours uh, the other night, and uh, he was a trooper willing to talk. And obviously, Grant and I have a fun time chatting with each other on on the radio and, and, and offline and so on. So I really appreciate his willingness to to join me and, and, and share the share the passion for wanting to hash out what is going on here um, and do it with some different voices, um, different combinations of voices. So again, go check out the first part of this summit, myself, Grant Paulson, Kevin Sheehan, and you obviously just listened uh, to, to the second part. Uh, or you skip all the way to the end for some reason just to hear me sign off, which would be kind of weird, but um, to each his own, I guess. As long as you download the episode, then, you know, that, that, that's fine. Um, all right. That's it for now. Um, again, you can go check out my, my writing on The Athletic uh, about where things stand big picture. And then I did 10 predictions for the second half of the season. More to come. Washington is back at practice on Monday. And I will be there for that. So that's it for now. Ben Standig signing off. Until next time. See ya. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.